These are the daily lectionary comments for June the 16th. We're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 16 and uh, John chapter 16. I'll point out that this podcast has been growing very nicely. And uh, if, if you have uh, any friends or family members or somebody that you think would appreciate this podcast and following this podcast, share it with them. Uh, you know, the, the, the more that are following, the better. And so I encourage you to do that. Proverbs chapter 16, another assorted collection of Proverbs. I'm going to take a look at several streams here. The first, uh, the very beginning, the first uh, proverb, the plans of the heart belong to man. This sets a theme that, that goes throughout Proverbs. We're going to see several instances of it here. The plans of the heart belong to man. So you, you, you plan whatever you want in your own heart. But it says the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. In other words, when you propose your plan outwardly, the reception that it gets, that's something you can't control. And that's not just in your heart. That's something that comes from the Lord. So you can propose what you want, but whether the Lord agrees or whether others agree, that's a different matter. That's in the Lord's hands. Verse two adds another proverb that adds another element to this. And it says, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. So your plans make sense to you. And they all always seem right, our own plans. And when other people don't agree with it, uh, you know, we think that they're wrong and we're right. But it says here that the Lord weighs the spirit. In other words, the Lord sees much more deeply uh, into, into us. And the Lord knows whether we're fooling ourselves or not. Now, because we cannot control the reception that our plans will receive, and we can't even be sure that we're seeing clearly whether our plans are right, but that actually our plans only work if the Lord blesses them. This brings us to verse three and the third proverb here, which sort of uh, wraps it all up. It says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. So in other words, because you really can't control this and because really your plans will, will advance if the Lord advances them, commit your ways to him. This explains why the scripture and why Proverbs particularly has such dire things to say about the arrogant. So notice what it says in, in verse 5. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. So this is, um, you know, an arrogant person is one who just assumes that what they think is right and what they want is best and that they are more in control than they really are. They cut the Lord out of, uh, of the loop here. Look at verse 18. This is a very famous proverb. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Of course, the Lord knows that you're proud and that you're haughty and because uh, he sees into your spirit. And um, uh, ultimately, he will see to it that your plans fail. All right, so those are three uh, uh, or four proverbs there. And here, here now, here's another one in uh, verse six. Now, verse six says, "By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, uh, one turns from away from evil." Now, here is an interesting example of how uh, one might look at this parable and think, well, or this proverb and think, "Well, that's quite wrong. Steadfast love and faithfulness do not atone." for iniquity. Speaking theologically, that's true. That 
before God, the only thing that atones for sin and iniquity, quite frankly, is blood. Specifically, the blood of Christ, the blood of the Lamb, whom God sent in order to atone for sin. But this, you got to understand that this, this is a proverb, and in a proverb is not really speaking, or at least this proverb is not really speaking theologically about how we get right with God. It's speaking about how we make up for our own failures in this world. So in other words, our, how do we atone for, how do we make up for our failures and our sins and our iniquities? And the way you do that is by doing the opposite, and that is, uh, steadfast love and faithfulness. So if you get caught in a lie and you've abused somebody you loved by lying to them, it only takes a second to demonstrate yourself as a liar. But in order to atone for that and cover that over and move forward as somebody who can be trusted, it's going to take a lot of treating this other person right and well, steadfast love. And and speaking the truth and being reliable and truthful and faithful and to do what you say you're going to do. Faithfulness as a practical matter, it only takes an instant to destroy your reputation. It takes a lot of faithfulness and steadfast love to build it up again. That's a very practical application of this. Now, we have a cluster of, of uh, Proverbs here that deal with kings. And there are two types. One is speaking to the king themselves. And the other is speaking to those who are subject to the king. Now you need to understand that in Proverbs, in, in, the, in, in these Proverbs here, we're not really talking about the way kings are. We're talking about the way kings ought to be. This, these are the ideal kings. And frankly, if you want to find an example of an ideal king, there's only one place that you can go, and that's to the true king, and that's to Christ. Christ himself is the perfect example of what a king ought to be. Other kings miss the mark by more or less degrees. So in these, these parables, these, excuse me, these proverbs that, keeps, that are talking about kings is assuming a right king, a good king, a proper king. And that king is one who, uh, according to verse 10, uh, does not sin in the judgments that he makes. A right and proper king uh, for that uh, individual, it is an abomination to do evil. That king understands that his throne is established not by power, as we would think in our world today, or frankly back in that day too, but actually a king's throne is established by righteousness. And righteous lips uh, uh, are a delight to a proper king, and a proper king loves the ones who speaks right. Because the king, or for that matter, anybody who is in a position of authority, whether it is an elected official or a military commander or an employer, a teacher in a classroom or a mother and father, it doesn't matter, those who are in authority are stand-ins for God, and they have authority, but they also have tremendous responsibility to do what God would do if he were there in your position. That explains verse 14 and 15, how those who are under authority should behave. And that is, when the person in authority demonstrates wrath, this is something that you should take quite seriously. 
and adjust your tone and adjust your behavior because the king is there to punish bad behavior. And if you get in the sights of a wrathful king, you're about to be punished. Take that seriously. On the other hand, when the king or the one in authority acting as God would act is smiling upon you, well, that is something that should give you great joy. So we have some examples of, of, uh, of how to have authority and exercise authority, how to be under authority, the difference between arrogance and committing your way to the Lord. John 16. I'm telling you so much scripture, so little time. I want to focus your attention on two verses. Number one is 4b. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. And 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So let's consider both of those very briefly. First, I didn't tell you a whole bunch of stuff because I was with you. What does that mean? Well, what that means is there's a lot of stuff that we didn't need to know that was none of our business and Jesus was there taking care of it anyway, so it doesn't matter. I didn't need to tell you everything. I've got it under control. But now Jesus is about to leave. And so he couples this with, I was with you, um, and so you didn't need to know, with even though I'm leaving, the Holy Spirit is coming. The Holy Spirit will continue to deal with things that you're not going to know about and don't need to know about because God is still going to be with you through the Holy Spirit, still managing and taking care of things, even if you don't understand them. So I wasn't with you, but I was taking care of things. I'm leaving, but the Holy Spirit will be with you and he will be taking care of things. And then verse 12 talks about how there are other things that I need to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. In other words, these disciples are really rattled tonight and they're about to get a lot more rattled as they see Jesus arrested and crucified. They are not in a position really fully to understand what has happened with Jesus coming in his crucifixion and resurrection. But Jesus will rise and come to them again and instruct them still further. Tonight is not the night. They're just not in a mindset to handle this. But furthermore, Jesus will send his Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit will guide them into deeper, further um, uh, understandings of what they have already experienced with Jesus in their life with him. So he is going to make sure that the stuff of his life will not be lost on the disciples because they happen to be having uh, very bad days. He's going to make sure that the truth of his life, death, and resurrection will be preserved in the church and the Holy Spirit will see to it, even if they can't handle it tonight.